0: Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Hello, my name is, Part Three, A Place of Known, Valued, and Loved. Recorded Sunday, August 20th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. Uh, several years ago, before uh, we moved back here to Grand Island, I was the director of Christian Student Fellowship, a campus ministry that uh, we as a church uh, support financially, and I've uh, had a lot of kids go there, and uh, some of their staff are from Third City, and uh, one of my biggest responsibilities there was Fundraising which I know some of you kind of like you're grabbing onto your wallet, right? Like that guy is here today. I'm not that guy anymore. Um, I was pretty decent at it. We had a, a pretty large staff and um, I was able to go talk to people about investing in this ministry, but I wanted to be better at that craft. And so I went to some seminars, went to a, a fundraising camp in Arizona, and then uh, uh, I committed to an every month meeting with a fundraising coach uh, that I met with in Omaha. And uh, we would get together. His name was James. And uh, I, the first, first time I showed up, I had my notebook opened and I was ready just to start writing all this advice down. <clears throat> and that first time he really only said one thing to me. He looked at me and he said, Dan, there's, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who show up into a room with the attitude of, here I am. And then there's people who show up uh, into a a room with this attitude of, there you are. Uh, And I don't know if it was the greatest fundraising advice I've ever heard, uh, but it was some of the best leadership advice I've ever heard, that we have that choice of how we show up with people. uh, And... and and how we encounter people for the first time meeting them. And it's one of the things that I love most about Jesus is the way that he showed up into any situation with an attitude of, there you are. Uh, He's the most important person in all of history, and yet every time we read about him encountering a group of people, he's hyper-focused on them and their needs. He's not starting with, well, do you know who I am? He's starting with, oh, I know who you are. And he's looking at their needs rather than his own or his own agenda. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been traveling this journey of who we aren't, those junky names that tend to stick to us uh, that we've uh, maybe written on a board or we just know what they are in your own mind, uh, nicknames and, and descriptors of you that needed to be taken off. And then last week, Josh took us down this road of putting on some better names. Known, valued, and loved. Uh, What it looks like for us to be people who recognize that we are known, valued, and loved by our Creator. And because of that, it can change how we go about our everyday life. We've been able to look at how Jesus interacted with people throughout his ministry, that he saw them for who they were created to be, and not just for the mess that they had made of their own life. He interacted with Zacchaeus. Uh, He interacted with a woman who was drawing water from a well. And he interacted with a woman who just grabbed onto the hem of his robe to be healed from a disorder that she had been experiencing. And on all of those things, Jesus had that there you are mindset. But in each of those stories, we also see Jesus go beyond what those folks thought was their deepest, most real need. He healed. Uh, He brought comfort. He uh, restored them to a healthy place. But he knew that there was something more important that they needed in their lives, and that was community. He, He restored them to those rightful places of community in their life, and he wants to do the same thing for us as well. Last week, Josh talked to us about understanding that you are a person who is known, valued, and loved. And today, our desire is to help you find a place where you are known, valued, and loved. Because Jesus doesn't just pick you up and pat you on the back and send you on your way. He desires for you to live in a community that knows you and values you and loves you as well. I don't know if there's any fans here of uh, uh, the series Alone, anybody? likes to watch alone. Uh, I, I watch this show and basically if you don't, 10 individuals are dropped off in, in remote places on an island or uh, in a cold place or a really hot place and it's a contest to see who can just last the longest living by themselves, living off the land and making their own shelter. And I'll just tell you, if I were one of the contestants, I, I think I would hit the button on day one. Cause I just want some conversation, you know, I'd get out there and I'd be like, oh, this is terrible. Like take me home. Uh, and I, and I watched that show and uh, just so you know, it's season six. So I'm not spoiling anything today. I've been accused of that a few times. Uh, season six, I see these people, some of them go home because they eat or drink something that their body says, well, that was a bad idea. Uh, and some of those people go home because they tap out because they've become injured and even one of those people went home because their bed literally caught on fire. And it was a really cold day and they just knew that they were done at that point. So they they tapped out and they came and rescued them. But it seems like more often than not, the reason people go home, they tap out of the show is simply because they realize that they are literally alone. And they start to look at pictures and they start to uh, think about their family and their community, and they think, well, this, this sum of money that I thought would be life-changing for me, it's really not worth it. It's really not worth it. I just want to be with the people who I love and the people who mean so much to me. See, uh, the show highlights what we know to be true. We were not created to be alone. We're meant to live in community. Bob Goff said something like this. He said, uh, make sure you go through life on a bus, and not a unicycle. There's a lot of truth in that, right? That that we're called to life, we're created for life that is about not just us, but people around us. The great poet of the 1980s said it this way, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad that you came. And there's a lot of truth in that. The need for community, it's wired into us. And when people don't find a good and healthy place of community, they'll settle for something that is lesser than. Knowing this, Jesus spent his three years of ministry pouring into his followers so that they would be ready upon his return to be with God. They'd be ready to start Jesus's idea of the church. A movement of people who would, as we phrase it, that they would worship and serve and grow together. And the first time we really see that take place is in Acts chapter 2. Now the first 40 verses of Acts 2, we read this long sermon that Peter gives to people. And he says basically, hey, the Son of God was here. The one that we've waited for for generations was here. And instead of following following him, you had him killed. But there's good news, he told them. He has risen from the dead, and you can still follow him. And people are so cut to the heart that they said to Peter, what should we do? And Peter looks him square in the eyes, thousands of people, and he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And we read that that day, 3,000 people entered into that relationship of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then we pick it up in verse 42 where it kind of describes to us what that early church looked like. They suddenly go from uh, being these followers of Jesus who could all fit into an upper room to being this group of people that needed to rent out extra seating. And verse 42 starts off this way. It says, And the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those who had need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. See, the believers were devoted. That's the word that they use, and they're devoted to these four things. They're devoted to the Word of God. They're devoted to each other in community. They're devoted to meals together, especially the Lord's Supper, and they're devoted to being people of prayer. See, this Acts Church, our model, it had two ways of gathering. The Acts Church had rows, large gatherings of people like we do here on Sunday morning. We couldn't set up chairs in in any other way and fit as many people in here as we do. And the early church was the same. It says that all the believers met together in one place. That's a lot of people. They met together in the temple courts, and as the church grew throughout that region and throughout the world, they took this same model, and they moved it to other places, that whenever possible, they would meet together in rows. But the Acts Church also had circles, smaller groups of people meeting together in homes, maybe pulling up chairs or whatever they had for couches. Whatever it was for them, they they made it possible to meet together in those smaller groups of people in what we would call circles. It says they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And then it says all the while, and we would just say at all times, whether existing in rows or circles, they praised God. See, there's this argument that has taken place in the church for quite a few years where people say, well, it's all about rows And other people say it's all about circles. And we love our rows. We love to sing together and experience that. And we love to listen to a sermon and just experience each other in that way. I was talking to someone between services who said, I showed up today and someone was in my seat. But he got over it. He found a different seat. We just, we love to meet together in rows. And this army, this row army, is usually led by a preacher, right? Right? who's just pretty fired up about we ought to be meeting in rows, right? Yeah, it's a little scary if you really look at it. But there's another team, there's team circles, and they'll say something like this. They'll say, hey, if you can only make it to one thing during a week, make sure you go to your home fellowship. Make sure you go to your group. Make sure you go to whatever it is. And if you have to skip something, skip Sunday morning. And this battalion is often led by a groups minister like Nick, right? And it's a little scary to look at as well. And I just want you to know that here at Third City, we're not going to have that battle. We're not going to be a church that says it's all about rows or that it's all about circles. We want to be a church that's devoted to both. And so the picture looks a little bit more like this one, right? Where they love each other. Uh, but if you pull back just a little bit from that picture, what you see is uh, sometimes we have to do special things to to make that happen. We're not going to be a church that is devoted to one or the other. We will be a church that is devoted to both. Because it's what we see from the early church. And it's because what we need to be people living in and for God. You see, circles are not better than rows any more than flour is more important than sugar in a beautiful donut, right? Like, um, I've, I've eaten one of these last two services. I'm not going to because they're kind of dry if you're not drinking water. Um, uh, you know, to, to arrive at the beautiful flaky sweetness of a donut, you need both sugar and flour. If you put just flour in there, it might get fluffy, but you won't want to taste it. If you just put sugar in there, it might be really sweet, but uh, it's going to be pretty dense. Both are important. The same thing is true in a church. Not flour and sugar, but circles and rows. We need both. And by you being here this morning, it tells me you already see the value of rows. And so this morning, I just want to focus in on the need for circles and how we go about being Third City Christian Church. And and really, I want to hammer home this idea that there's three things that a circle, that a group will do for you. The first one is it gives you growth and accountability. In the group that Angela and I are part of, our best weeks are the weeks when we just get to dig through what we just heard preached on Sunday morning. Uh, We'll go on to the Rhythms app, uh, the Rhythms page, and scroll down to the bottom, and there's a tab that says Groups. And every week we write questions that go along with the previous Sunday's sermon. And we'll dig into, the, into that together. We'll read other scriptures that talk about the same topic. We'll talk about things that we loved and things that were really hard for us to hear. And we grow together by doing that. Ephesians 4 says this. It says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work, growing and full of love. See, group life, our circles, help us grow in that deeper understanding. It helps us to grow up as believers. Secondly, it provides support and celebration. And we're a big church. Uh, It's not possible for you to know everything that's going on with everyone. And so we need circles to make that happen. See, uh, it's impossible to know everyone's name here. And so you even notice today, like, we're kind of making you put name tags on, For a day, because when we're out there eating donuts in a few minutes, we wanna be able to walk up to each other and just say, How are you? With more than just a a hey pal or a hey buddy. And so today you have permission, even if you've known someone for five years, like take a deep look at the name tag before you look them in the face. Because maybe you've had their name wrong for five years, you know. Uh, And so look at those name tags and get to know each other a little bit. But we know that it can't really happen in this context as well as it can in groups and circles. And so it provides support and celebration on all of your days. You see, it gives us a safe place to share our struggles and our celebrations. Romans 12 tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And there's somebody here today who's rejoicing, and I don't know what you're rejoicing about. You're mourning, and I don't know what the issue is. And so it's difficult for me to do those things with you as well as a group can. And so will you dive into a group for that reason so you can share your life? Galatians 6 says to carry others, each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. I've seen a couple of examples of this happening really well over the last couple of weeks. People who I go to visit in a hospital and uh, they just can't wait to tell me about the people from their group who are loving them and taking care of them. Uh, I want to share all of their story with you because it's pretty private. But I would like for you to watch a story that we put together about Becca, someone who has found her way into group life here.
1: So my name is Becca Niemeyer. I grew up in Hastings, Nebraska. Um, I was homeschooled. My family owns a whole bunch of businesses, so that was a big part of my life. I also went to the Evangelical Free Church, so I grew up volunteering for them and was heavily involved in camping ministry as well. Loved the church that I grew up in, but needed, needed some people my age, needed some people to Uh, do life with who were in the same stage of life as I was. I met Hannah Beck, and she invited me to come to church with her one week, so she was serving um, at the church, and I sat down with that group, um, quickly got involved with Revive. While starting to go to the church, um, I was also my mom's full-time caretaker. She had ovarian cancer, so um, they were really there for me through all of that along with laura it's crazy to think that with a church this big that she saw me and she knew me from the very beginning from the very first weeks she sought me out and she's made eye contact with me every single week and said hello to me and it was cool to see that even with a church this big they know who you are In January, my mom passed and it was really cool to see not only Ransom and Brittany, but um, the rooted people, all of those people reach out. And that was a big reason I got so connected was because they made that effort and I felt very seen by them. Feeling known. It was just so cool to see that they took the time to get to know who I was. I, I will say that there were there were points that the only reason I got out of the house was because of Revive. Like, I'm not kidding, like, I wasn't eating. Nobody knew what was going on, but because Ransom was checking in on me, I got out of the house and put on a brave face, but still saw people because, I, I'm very much a people person. I always want to be around people, but. There, there were points where I was hiding from the world and nobody knew it because I was really good at hiding it until Ransom or Brittany would message me and that was the only reason I was at church that week or Revive, and I'm, I grew up in church. I never missed a Sunday, so. I wanted to come here to be not seen at the beginning because I was in such a place of hurt. I wanted to see, okay, what is this church about? Not feel like, oh, they saw me, so now I can't sneak out, you know, but, um, it's what I needed. This is it. I think this is where I'm supposed to be. And that peace of the Lord saying, I've got you, even through all of the hard things that you are going through, I'm here. And so that's how I found it. And I'm so thankful that now I get to call myself a Connect minister and get to love on elementary kids, creating memories with them. So yeah, I first week, of work and I'm wearing things from a tutu to crazy hair and meeting the full-time staff. So it's just really cool and I'm really excited to see where it's going to go from here. So that's, that's my story.
0: You know, the truth of Becca's story is that while she loves to be a part of our church overall, uh, what she really needed at that moment was a group that was going to be there. A group that was going to be consistent. A group that was going to be present in her life. And, uh, and she's found that. And it, and it actually makes her love the whole church more. I can promise you that there are things that my small group know about me that you don't know. And there's things that I know about them that you don't know. And that's a good thing. There are days when I'm maybe off a little bit and I'll get a phone call from one of my small group guys and they'll get the same thing from me if I notice that they're off a little bit. It's impossible for us to know everyone. But can I just tell you, you can know deeply and be known deeply by a circle. The third thing is that it allows us to witness to others both in this passage in Acts 2, but then also in Acts 5, we read this. It says, Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And this devotion to each other, this unity that Jesus like desperately prayed for before his arrest, it was one of the most powerful church growth tools of the day and it remains that way today. Francis Schaeffer said our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Jesus said it this way, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's why we want people to know that they can belong here even before they believe, before they behave. Because we've just seen it too many times where someone starts meeting with a group or they start meeting in a rooted group and, and maybe they're not sure what they think about Jesus. But they're around these people and they're encouraged to give it deep consideration. See, Third City, when we go about life with really good rows, but also with really good circles, the world around us watches and notices and responds, and they see that we are a church that's devoted. We're hyper-focused on Jesus in the same way that he's been hyper-focused on us, the one in, in Jesus who we find life and meaning. And they watch how we love each other. They, love, they watch how we support one another, and they simply say what the people of Acts said, I want what they've got. And there's no greater example of what we've got than this moment that we take together to remember through the Lord's Supper what's been given to us. And so together we take a piece of bread. If you want to get your supplies out. And we remember that... uh, Jesus stepped down off a crown, stepped into our world, and because of us, he was willing to go to the cross. And we're told that by his wounds, we are healed. He was beaten for us. And we take uh, the blood, the fruit of the vine, this cup, and we give thanks for the fact that the blood of Jesus, it was not spilled, it was willingly poured out for you and for me. And this really beautiful thing happens When Jesus is hanging on a cross and he's taking his last breaths, it says that the curtain of the temple, it's this thick temple that kept the the haves and the have-nots separated. And the the curtain is torn in two, starting from the top in an act of God towards the bottom for us what it tells us is there's nothing that separates us from the Holy of Holies. There is nothing that stops us from experiencing community with God and with one another. So God, we thank you for this meal that we take together. We thank you that we are known and valued and loved in Jesus and that because of him, we have community with you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11, 30 a.m. in Grand Island, and at ten fifteen a.m. in Broken Bow, on Facebook Live, and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.